Today's guest, Katie Cortman, makes me want to sew, dance, and doodle all at once. You know, it's not real hard to get me to shake a tail feather or pick up a paintbrush, but anyone that inspires me to want to thread a bobbin must be special. Y'all, I am Jennifer Perkins, and this is the Creative Queso Podcast. Welcome. Hello. I'm glad you're here. Every week, I chat with a different guest all about the business of being creative and the creativity behind running a business. Today's guest is Seamster, dancing Instagram sensation, artist, mother of four, spoonflower fabric designer, and all-around awesome lady, Katie Cortman. When Katie made a commitment to start sewing her own clothes, she decided to put her art degree to good use and go ahead and make her own fabric as well. It was like a little crafty light bulb, an epiphany of sorts. Fast forward to Katie having a successful Spoonflower store and fans using her designs to create everything from their own clothing to duvet covers. Katie and I chat about repeat patterns, how to make your Spoonflower shop stand out, and how, as Katie puts it, the magic that happens from just being yourself and doing what comes naturally and makes you happy. All right, let's do this. All right, Katie, thank you so much for being on Creative Queso with me. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. I should have recorded this so you could have danced for us. <laughs> I should have done the video option. Man, I didn't plan that right. <laughs> if only podcasts had a video portion to them. I know, right? They should. I should. I'm going to start putting these on YouTube one day. When I do that, I'm going to loop back around and have like a dance party. Okay. Dance party interview. You can show me how to dance as well as talk about <laughs> fabric and sewing and all the things business. Sound good? I sound good. I'm here for it. <laughs> all right. So let's start like from let's start from the beginning. Let's go back. Let's take everybody on a journey all about Katie. So you're you're most well known at this juncture for fabric and sewing, but from my cyber stalking research, you actually have a background in degrees in art, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that would, I mean, did you ever think that you would like, you know, be a seamster or, you know what I mean? How did you, how did you end up where you are now? Like, I mean, I, everybody I talk to like has a degree or an original plan of something completely different than what they do now. So you're totally not alone, but how did you end up, you know, sewing and being known as that person that like paints your own clothes or, you know, makes your own designs and sews them? How did you get there? Well, it's only been a year since I've been doing the Instagram thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I've, okay, so I went to art school from seventh to 12th grade. Um, like half my day was art. And then I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts in painting and drawing. And during my bachelor's, I bought myself a sewing machine because I actually wanted to be a fashion designer, I decided like halfway through my degree, but there was no fashion <laughs> design program at my school. So I, I bought a sewing machine and they did have sewing classes. And so I took, first I kind of just taught myself and then I took one class, which <laughs> um, I had been engaged to somebody while I was taking that class and I was sewing things for like the wedding not my wedding dress, but like other things to do with the wedding. And he broke off the wedding in the middle of that class. So I learned <laughs> a little bit and I cried a whole lot. So. Oh my gosh, <laughs> seriously. I like, I, I know I learned, I, I'm sure I know I got skills from that class, but it wasn't as good as it could have been. <laughs> Life skills, if not sewing skills. Oh my gosh, I was a mess. Um, Bless your heart. Yeah. And then I just kept sewing. I, I was really, I didn't know how to use a real pattern. Um, I guess I had learned a little bit in that class, but like I said, I was a mess. So I didn't really, after that class, I still didn't really know how to use a pattern. Um, and I just kind of made stuff up for years. I just made stuff up. And so I couldn't really sew anything more than like a stretchy shirt or a stretchy dress that I could just put on. You know, I didn't know how to do a zipper or buttons or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And and then when I had kids, I started sewing for my kids the same kind of way, <laughs> just kind of making <laughs> stuff up. And it was a couple years ago that I finally started sewing a little bit more for myself and started using PDF patterns because I felt like they kind of walked you through, like baby stepped you through everything. And I knew how to use a sewing machine. It was just a matter of understanding how to read a pattern and follow a pattern. That was the real issue. Um, and then a year ago, well, a year and a half ago, I decided to start just sewing my clothes and not buying any clothes because I thought if I did that, then I would up my sewing skill level. I would stop being scared of zippers. I would stop being scared of buttons <laughs> and I would learn how to sew a swimsuit and learn how to sew jeans and things that I never thought I would really do. I never thought I'd have those skills. Um, and so when I started doing that is when I like probably six months into that seven months, it was like back in like August, September, I started posting more on Instagram, which kind of had the snowball effect. Um, I started doing the handmade hustle and I started challenges. I was trying to get people like, okay, we're all posting pictures of ourselves wearing our handmade clothes. And that's exciting. But like everyone just kind of looked like they were just standing there in their clothes. And I'm like, let's make this more fun. Like I get really excited when I completed something like, yes, I did that. And so <laughs> I thought like, why not dance? And why not get everybody dancing? And then there was a contest for uh, called Sew Frosting. And it was about sewing stuff that wasn't just like your everyday clothes. People were kind of getting in this habit of just sewing their everyday clothes and like, let's sew frosting. Let's sew something that's maybe you can't wear every day, but it's fancy and exciting. And I had made another goal for myself in 2018. And that was to design my own fabric, which is something I had always wanted to do. And my professors in college, my painting professors always told me that my my, I have very abstract artwork. They said it would lend itself really well to textile design. And I had, I had thought about going to get a master's in textile design, but I never did. I got a master's in teaching and I taught instead. But anyway, um, so I, I used that so frosting contest as my personal deadline because I was supposed to do it in the year. It was one of my 18 things I wanted to do in 2018 was to design my own fabric. And it was November and I still hadn't done it. It was like one of the only things I hadn't checked off my list and it's something I always want to do. So I was like, okay, I'll use the so frosting challenge as my deadline. And I didn't have time to learn how to do it digitally. So I just used fabric I already, someone had given to me. I used a pattern I already had. I used paints I already had. I didn't buy a single thing. And I won that contest. It was like <laughs> over 2,000 people um, or 2,000 entries or something. So that was a big deal. And that kind of made everything happen for me. The Spoonflower contacted me, fabric shops uh, contacted me about designing fabric. And so then I quickly taught myself, I watched a bunch of tutorials on how to do, <laughs> make repeats and, and stuff like that. And here I am. How many months is it? We are in the eighth month of the year. And now I'm a fabric designer. I'm a textile designer. What? <laughs> Uh, how did, it's like, how did that happen? Look at you go. Yeah, right. It was just November. I painted a dress and, and now I, yeah, I'm selling fabric all the time and I'm an ambassador for Spoonflower and <laughs> I can't That's even amazing. really believe it. Well, the, no, the crazy thing is, is like, I don't even sew and I know who you are and I can <laughs> see when you talk about the, the frosting dress, like I can see it. I can see the dress. I can see the fabric. Like, you That's know what cool. I mean? So yeah. you, you've even crossed over to the people that are like, you know, afraid of their sewing machine land. Don't be afraid. <laughs> I was, I, I mean, well, I wasn't ever afraid of the sewing machine. I was afraid of, like I said, like I was afraid of putting in a sleeve. I was afraid of buttons. I was afraid of zippers. Mm -hmm. I, but don't be like, there's nothing to be afraid of. You make all a those feet. What? I said all those feet. They get scary. <laughs> uh, you mostly just need like a regular foot and a zipper foot. That's, I guess, a <laughs> button foot, buttonhole foot. But. I know. I get, I get so confused by all of them. Oh, yeah. It's like you have a manual. You just open exactly. it. Exactly. And you read it. It's not. I have to do it still sometimes for stuff. 
Yeah, I remember when I like first started sewing, I would literally like, this was so long ago before FaceTime or any of those things, I would like scan my hand in showing my mother like me trying to open the bobbin thing. And then I would like email it to her what for her to like email me back. Exactly. Like, why oh can't I get gosh. this bobbin to work? Like, so I think I'm scarred for life from that. But I need to get, you, know, you, make, it, you make it sound so easy. You probably have a sewing machine with the old kind of bobbin thing where you have to stick the bobbin in the bobbin holder get the bobbin holder into the machine is that right mm-hmm. okay yeah you need to get a new machine that has the top loader where you just it has a picture of exactly how you put it in and you just drop the bobbin in there and it's basically ready to go oh it's much I do need to upgrade. it's much easier yeah, oh but gosh, even upgrade, yeah. it's like 150 dollars maybe for that machine jeez i could make yeah. that happen yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Maybe I will do that. Maybe you can sell your whole wardrobe like me. There's a bunch of things on that whole topic I want to touch on because it's all amazing. And I love people's like story of how they had this like launch. But, you know, going back to like step one with art, do you still like find yourself ever like painting, like not for work? I mean, do you still like dabble in the arts? And if so, like what mediums do you like? Um. So last... January, um, when I made my 18 things for 2018, uh-huh. so yeah, a year and a half ago, um, I had put on there to make six paintings because I had noticed that I was, I used to like go back and forth. I'd sew for a few months and then I get sick of sewing and I would paint for a few months and I'd kind of go back and forth and back and forth. But when I started sewing my own wardrobe more, I never wanted to stop. I think it's because before I was sewing a lot for my kids and that's Mm -hmm. that's fun, but it's not as like satisfying as sewing for yourself. So, (laughs) so I, um, I I made a goal to make six paintings because I had noticed that I hadn't painted in a while and I really love painting. I just got to, you know, you get out of the habit, you stop having the inspiration and Mm -hmm. when you're doing it, you're inspired to do it more. So I made those six paintings and I sold like half of them and I was doing custom work for people in California and in Boston. And then when the sewing thing like really took off when I last September, when I started really posting about it, then I stopped painting. And that's why when I started painting fabric and designing fabric, it was just like this huge light bulb went off for me because I had noticed that I was sewing so much that I didn't have time to paint. But when I'm designing fabric and painting fabric, because I still do both, I get to combine the art making and the sewing together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I haven't, I've made a, maybe a few paintings this year, not so many because I am so inundated with work, but um there's worse problems to have. Yeah. And, but I still also, and I still have four kids at home. So that one as well as like, it's really what takes up most yeah. of my time. <laughs> um, but I do have somebody who's requesting a custom painting. So I will probably be doing that again um, for soon. So now, was I there do- like a moment where you were like, like, whoa, this is it. This is how like, because I do the same thing. You know, if like all the painting stuff is out, then I'm super into painting. If all the scrapbooking stuff is out, then I'm super into scrapbook. It really kind of depends on like what's lying on the table that I can just meander over to and put my hands on. But was there like a moment for you when you were like, I love sewing. I love painting like, da-da. Or did the like, so frosting thing kind of throw you into that epiphany of like combining forces? Yes. The so frosting challenge when I painted that dress, that is when I, it, I realized that the two could be combined and I could do both things that I love together. It was, <laughs> I guess if I hadn't done that challenge, I would not be where I am right now. And I also wouldn't have realized that, that I could combine the two. I, I mean, I always knew I could, but I just never did. I never got around to it. I never got the paints or got the paints out, or I was too scared to paint expensive fabric, but I had used fabric that someone had given me. And so it felt like, okay, well, if this goes wrong, then, you know, I'm not out any money. So Mm -hmm. I'm just so glad that I finally did it because like, yeah, that was my big light bulb moment. I, I remember being so excited and telling my husband, like, this is it. I can paint my clothes and now I can be still feel like I haven't given up my art being an artist 
even though I'm so obsessed with sewing, I can't stop. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think when my kids are all in school and I have more time, not that I have tons of time, but I'll have more free time without kids messing things up. Um, I will be able to have the time to also make paintings and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that are not just for fabric. But at the moment, I only get so many hours. School starts tomorrow here. Yeah, school starts I, tomorrow. I'm counting down the minutes. I <laughs> love my kid, but mommy minutes. needs her time back. Yeah. I know you love them, but you just need some time <laughs> alone. Exactly. So I can like, like complete a thought all the way through and actually. <laughs> yeah. And my kids, I went to, I just got back from Iceland and I had a few days before Iceland and I have yesterday and today and I'm going to get them tomorrow from Atlanta but having these days in my house without my kids has been amazing. <laughs> Even though I, like I said, I love my kids. Everybody, you know, should know that. But I, I cleaned my house and it didn't get dirty. I only had to prepare <laughs> meals for me and I didn't whine about it. <laughs> you ate your vegetables without being bribed. It yes. was glorious. <laughs> I didn't have to hide in the closet to eat chocolate so no one stole it. Girl, I hear you. You are not alone. (laughs) So, you know, talking about, you you know, painting your fabric, I know with the so frosting thing, you literally painted that fabric. But when going forward in the new fabrics that you create, do you still like paint it and then scan it in to procreate or a program like that? Or do you start straight on the iPad now when you're creating designs? So, okay, so I'm I'm doing two things. One, I'm still painting on fabric. I've actually written some magazine articles for Sew News um, painting fabric. I have a bunch of tutorials on my blog and I'm teaching classes kind of up and down the East Coast at different fabric shops, teaching painting fabric. So I'm, I'm doing that. But then with my fabric design, they have all started with either a painting I think I've done maybe a few that are just directly on the computer, but I'm trying to still use my, I, I've been using paintings that I made years ago for some of the paint, uh, fabric designs. And I'm making new paintings that I am painting something specifically to be, to be used in a fabric design. And then I'm doing a little bit of stuff that's just digital drawing. And I'm using both Photoshop and Procreate depending on if I'm at home or on the go. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So now what you mentioned that you kind of had to quickly like learn on the fly, like how to do the the repeat patterns. I know like for me personally, that's like a holdup. Like I did a project with Spoonflower for um, a book they released last fall. Like I created a a zipper pouch sunglasses case and I needed to like make my own fabric for it. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was just like, repeat pattern was like blowing my mind. Like luckily like Spoonflower has that very, you know, the program where you can like make it yourself or whatever, you know? Yeah. But like, how did you learn? I mean, were you just like free on YouTube or were you like a monthly subscriber to Skillshare? Like, yeah, that's actually tips. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I know there's some great classes on there about repeat patterns. Like, I mean, you know, I, who wouldn't love to have some repeat pattern action, but it does seem daunting. Yeah. I, had looked into creating repeats like a decade ago and it looked so complicated. I just never got around to doing it. And so when Spoonflower asked me if I wanted to turn my dress painting into a digital repeat, and then the the fabric shop asked me if I wanted to sell designs, I was like, yes, I cannot let these opportunities pass me by. And so I really love a deadline. I really love somebody telling me, they want something because it, it, I can, I want to do a bunch of things, but there's a long list of things for me to do all the time. So, mm-hmm. um, having them ask me to do it meant that I made sure I got it done instead of saying, Oh, one day I think I'll be a fabric designer. Um, and so over the Christmas break, while I had lots of people in town, I <laughs> downloaded Skillshare and did the, the free month. And then I ended up subscribing for a few more months, but I, I took some, I looked at or watched some of the repeat pattern programs or classes, mm-hmm. but 
most people that design fabric do it in Illustrator and they're doing it all digitally in Illustrator. And I started out as a graphic design major in my undergrad and realized that I hated the computer and I really hated Illustrator. So I'm sure it, I could go back right now and learn it. Maybe it'd be fine. But knowing that I already hated Illustrator, I thought, well, I'll just figure out how to do this in Photoshop. So I watched only tutorials that showed you in Photoshop. And then it turns out that Photoshop just came out with this extension that you download for free um, into that into the Photoshop. It's not an app or program, whatever. And <laughs> it creates the, te- the repeat for you. So you can drag the, the things that you want to repeat to the edges. And then you just click a little button that says, wrap this so that it goes to the other edge to create a half drop repeat or a grid repeat or whatever kind of repeat you have like different options to choose from. And it does it for you. So that I came in at the right Ooh. time. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I don't have yeah, to calculate anything and ah, all the other stuff that looked complicated. I know. I'm like computers and math and <laughs> precision. Like I just start to shut down. Man, somebody from Adobe just reached out to me today about doing some sort of blog post. I'm going to like write them back and be like, yeah, I'll do your blog post if you hook me up with. <laughs> <laughs> hook me up with some of those repeat pattern action. Yeah. Um, so before we go like deeper into fabric, I, you know, you've mentioned more than once here, and I like this about you, that you like these like deadlines and that you set these goals for yourself, like the 18 and 2018, which I'm totally going to steal because currently I do like for every year old I am, I try to do that. Like when I turned 40, I was like, I'm going to do 40 new things that I've never done, like jazzercise in a new restaurant. <laughs> and, then, and I'm getting older and that list is getting longer. So I'm going to, I'm going to start going with that. Like next year, it'll be 20 rather than, you know, a number oh, yeah. I shall not name of things. So I didn't tell me about your like, yeah, I can't. I got it from Gretchen Rubin, who wrote the book Happier. It has a podcast. Oh, yeah. Love. I love all things Gretchen Rubin. It's a good one. So do you like do you find that that just helps you like stay inspired and trying new things and like setting all these goals for yourself? Yeah, I am like type A personality and Gretchen Rubin has like different personality types. I'm the one who um, will meet a deadline, somebody else's deadline and who also will meet their own deadlines and like (laughs) makes their own goals and set. you know, I'm just, I'm kind of crazy like that. So knowing that about myself, I'm like, well, if I write it down and publish it and tell people, then, you know, I will do it. And Mm. on my list, I don't put anything that I don't really want to do like, and Gretchen talked about this in her podcast that, you know, this list isn't supposed to be like things that you think you should do. You don't really want to do, but you should. So you're going to put them on that list. I could also put those and probably, you know, accomplish them. But I, I wanted to do this year too. I wanted to do a list of things that would bring me joy that I really wanted to do, but that I might not always get to if I don't have it on my like to do list, like the fabric design, Mm -hmm. which I had wanted to do for 15 years and had never done. I put it on that list. I finally did it. So yeah, I, and I, I like, I've told like pattern people that make patterns, fabric patterns, not prints, but you know, um, sewing pattern. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I tell them like, you know, if they're going to give me a pattern to sew, please give me a deadline because if I have it, it'll, and I don't have a deadline, I can't guarantee when I will get to that. So please just tell me like, I would like that, but in three weeks, mm-hmm. could you make something or <laughs> something like that? <laughs> it helps. No, me. I am the exact same way. Like literally, like if there is like a, it is due on September 12th, like I am on it. But if you say like, it's due in September, like it might be December and I'm just like, I promise I'm going to get that to you. Like <laughs> I need that deadline. I need that date. I, like or I need it. you to, you know, do your deadline and my deadline. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. Well, I just knew, you know, between like you have like your challenges online and you mentioned the 2018, I could tell you are very like, you're a lister that you like that kind of yeah. <laughs> And that kind of thing. As do I. You're not alone. You're not alone. In art school, it was 
a problem because I'm, like I said, like a type A person. I like to get straight A's. I want to, you know, be successful. I want to, you know, get the best grade and whatever. And then as an artist, you know, you're supposed to be free and, and it doesn't matter about your grades. And my professors, I would say to my professors, like, okay, so now what do you need for an A on this project? And they're like, Katie, grades shouldn't <laughs> matter. It's your portfolio that matters. And I'm like, yes, but I also have a scholarship, academic scholarship. <laughs> and I also, you know, don't know what the future holds and I want a good GPA. So it's, and I also, I love math and I love art and it's kind of sometimes crazy combining the two parts of me. Yeah. But you know, and I think a lot of times in order to be successful as a creative, you need that, that side of things too. Do you know what I mean? Like you yes. need to have those, those parameters and those deadlines and those skills, because, you know, I, when I was a full-time jewelry designer, I used to always say there was lots of people that made way better jewelry than me, but they just didn't, you know what I mean? Know how to manage like a deadline or interact with the press or, you know, work a social media thing. And those are all like super important things if you want to do it for your job. Right. It's that business, like being able to do the business part of the creative, like use it. Yeah. You need both. <laughs> exactly. They, they go hand in hand. So speaking of business, I want to talk about Spoonflower for a minute because, you know, I bet a lot of people are curious. I'm always curious about it. So we kind of talked, touched on like what life was like before Spoonflower. You weren't really like in the market of making your own fabric and stuff before then. But now that you have a store, you know, you don't have, you're not one of those Spoonflower stores that has like 7,000 different options, right? Which I think is good. Um, So do you, you know what I mean? Because sometimes it just gets daunting, you know, you go to a place that has like 7,000 mint, like, like the Thai restaurant. And I'm just like, I don't know, there's like 12 pages, like, just give me three pages or two pages. It's too much. Um, So do you ever like retire fabrics? Or, you know, how do I wonder how you keep a balance between like new and fresh options and classic bestsellers, but your page is still very concise and not overwhelming? You know, well, I haven't been doing it for long enough to have to edit it down yet. I'm working on a new collection right now that will be released um, in September, hopefully. Um, Exciting. But, you know, I think on the in the Spoonflower website, each shop, you can have like different collections. And, you know, at, at this point, my stuff does have, I am, I do have different collections. I don't know what you're seeing when you look, but I don't, I guess not all the designers do that. And so it can be overwhelming, but if you were ever to like go into a shop and want it to like, not, it not be so overwhelming, you could just, you know, click on someone's collection. So I have my dash collection. Mm -hmm. And so you can look at just my dash prints or I have my, I think there's one that's like from paintings or something collection, my so frosting collection. This next one is going to be called my rainbow collection, even though there are no actual rainbows in my rainbow collection. But um, <laughs> there's rain. It's a colorful collection, is basically what I'm saying. But so for someone who's trying to make a living as a fabric designer, or at least you know have it as a decent side hustle, like what are your, what are some of your tips for getting people to your like Spoonflower store? Because, you know, there is like, if you type in abstract pattern, a a bazillion things are going to come up. Right. So like, do you have any like tips for getting your fabrics to stand out or ways to promote it? So yeah, I used to look at Spoonflower and see that there were hundreds of thousands of designs. (laughs) So um, I, for me, I think because I had created a following on Instagram just from sewing and um, dancing and everything, I already had an audience that was interested in what I was doing. And as I started to design, I would put it in my stories. I would show, I was showing like, look, I'm learning how to design fabric. And I just, I showed my process and I still try to show my process sometimes. Um, and so when my collect or when my first prints came out, I think I released like six at once or something. When I first released that little first mini collection, I 
already had an audience of people that were like waiting for this collection to be released. And so I had people buying it. And I, and another thing is I noticed between me and other surface pattern designers is that a lot of times they're just showing their designs, but I am so showing them sewn up into something. And so mm-hmm. people that need to see like, okay, well, I see that a design looks different digitally than it does on fabric, you know, in three dimensions. So I think that also helps that people can see me wearing it or whatever I've sewn it into. And that helps. And then I also created my own hashtag, which was Katie Corbin fabric. And whenever someone purchases fabric from my spoon flower shop, there's an automatic email that goes out and says like, thank you for purchasing my fabric. And I'd love to see what you've created. Tag me, Katie, tag me Katie Cortman art, and then also use the hashtag Katie Cortman fabric. That way other people can see what you've sewn up with my fabric. And so that I can feature you in my stories. So I think that having that has also helped. That's that business side we were talking about, like those great ideas and having that social media, why that that side of things is so important. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what helps me stand out because I, I, in the hundreds of thousands of designs on Spoonflower, mine might not really be showing up still in a search unless you're searching something very specific. And since my stuff is all very abstract, there's not a lot of really specific words to have my stuff show up other than I usually put like the colors that I've used. There's like, you can use tags and stuff on your designs, but I'm not, I don't have penguins and flowers and bananas and stuff like that so that people can find me. Um, so I don't depend on the Spoonflower website to be the place that people find me. I am depending on Instagram and my blog for people finding me that way. Interesting. Yeah. And I think your point to, I, of you wearing the outfit sewn in, I think that's why I noticed them. Like I saw you or I saw Meredith from Spoonflower and I see people wearing it. People need to see it sometimes. Like I just know that from my own jewelry days, like if it was ever a piece, it was like in a magazine and there was a picture of a model wearing it, or I sold it with a picture of someone wearing it. It always sold better than just like a picture of jewelry, just like laying on a white surface because people can kind of visualize it. Like, Oh, this is what it looks like. Right. Plus on a screen, it sometimes, I mean, Spoonflower has a great um, thing in the, in the website where you can see what the, they have like somebody holding up a piece of fabric. So you can see what the print looks like on yardage, but it, mm-hmm. it also just helps like, Oh, that's the scale of that print. I can see it on her body, how big that print is or how small that print mm-hmm. is. Yeah. No, I, I totally, I'm that person that like, I don't care if you tell me how big it is. Like, please take a picture of it with a penny and a ruler. Like, I just, I need that. Like, work with me, people. (laughs) And also with my, with the D&H Fabrics um, collection that I did, I mean, she did this, but we talked about it together. Um, We sent the fabric out to people, like other Instagrammers that we thought had, you know, that whose aesthetic kind of worked with my fabric. Mm-hmm. We let them pick which one they wanted and then they sewed something up and then we, you know, promoted them and, you know, check them out wearing this fabric. And they're also, their followers are seeing that fabric. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to market yourself, but you have to do something to stand out. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of people doing everything. So. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than like if you have an Etsy store selling vintage or soap or, you know, the chances of them finding you on Etsy are slim. You need to you need to do something on the side to to make it visible. Yeah. And you've done you've done such a fabulous job, like with your like you said, your challenges and your hashtags and your and your dancing. So talk dance parties to me. Like (laughs) how did how did that? I mean, I love that about it. And I love the little like corn coordinated one that you have that's not the word I'm looking for like synchronized I guess choreographed thank you that's the other c word there it is <laughs> with you guys you know and your little pom-pom headdresses like it's also cute like how did that come about were you just like did you secretly like always take dance class and you're like I need to work this into the art sewing <laughs> trifecta um, <laughs> so my mom was a ballerina before she had me 
And so dance is just like in my blood. And I I did take some (laughs) dance classes when I was young. And then I went to an art school, like I said, and I didn't major in dance. I was majoring in art, visual arts. So I didn't take any dance classes in high school, but I definitely went dancing a lot with my friends, like to parties and church dances and stuff. And then in college, I... I noticed that they had like beginning classes. And so I made sure I took one like sort of physical class, like that made me move my body every semester in college. And so I took like a social dance class, Polynesian dancing. I actually was, I danced in the Tahitian, they they had like a multicultural dancing week every year. And one year I danced for the, for Tahiti um, with a bunch of Polynesian girls and me very white and then I danced one year for Panama and like a traditional Panamanian dress um I took ballet one ballet two I took modern dance I took jazz dance I took lots of dance classes um and then when I graduated I didn't have a lot of parties to go to. I didn't have a lot of dance class to take. And then I got married, I had kids, but I've always really loved dancing. And my kids and I put music on all the time and dance. So it just was like a natural thing for me to do. And like I said, I just wanted to make the sewing Instagram just a little bit more fun. And I was like, oh, well, I'll have this dancing ch- I, I had done a few dances already like just hey I made this outfit I'm gonna dance and I back when I had like 200 followers and nobody and I wasn't posting very often and people always really liked them and so when I decided to start doing the Instagram thing for real I was like oh I will do dancing like as far as I knew, no one else was really doing it. I'm sure they were, but because I wasn't really in the Instagram sewing world, I hadn't seen any. And so I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll start these dance challenges and I'll have people win prizes, patterns and stuff if they do the dance challenge. And at first it was really slow going. I couldn't get anyone to dance because they were too scared <laughs> to their, their feed and have everyone see it. But now people are doing it without me even having a contest. And my dances have become a little bit like I, I, before in the fall when I was doing that, I would just put my son down for his nap. My other kids were at school and I would throw on my clothes, put on like purple lipstick and a purple wig or whatever and bust out random accessories and put music on my computer and I would film a dance just right there. But now I am like editing and making them a little bit more curated, but I need to put some of the crazy ones still <laughs> where I'm just like, on the I know we need, we need the outtakes. Yeah. Sometimes I put them in my stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it. It's such a, I mean, cause plus, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, first of all, when you're sewing, you sit on your butt a lot. So who doesn't need to get up and dance every now and then, you know, and like <laughs> nobody wants, nobody wants a blood clot. So get up and like shake it out. <laughs> but you know, like but now it's just that, so fun. I mean, and you, now that people, now that it's caught on, I mean, everybody is like, oh, I already was dancing before. I just wasn't putting it on Instagram. And I'm like, yeah, everybody secretly or not everybody, a lot of people secretly dance in their house all the time when nobody's watching. But, you know, and people at first that were scared to put it on there, I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? This isn't high school or middle school where someone's going to make fun of you for your, you know, dorky dance moves. People are so excited to see people, other people put themselves out there with mistakes, with not being super cool and super perfect. People love that. And so I tried to tell everyone, like, look, I I'm not making, I'm not doing the coolest dance moves ever all the time. I'm just being myself and people will embrace that. They're not going to make fun of you. They're going to love it. And and that is always what happens. Everyone was just scared at Mm -hmm. first. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little scared. I'm not going to lie, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll like be a big girl and do a dance party. Well, you can start out doing it in your stories because those disappear in 24 hours anyway. (laughs) 
that's true. <laughs> She's, if I if I get if I what is it that hashtag that it's like feeling cute might delete later. I can put that. I'll put that in there. So when you and I were emailing, you were saying like I asked if one of the things that you wanted to talk about, and you said, and this is a quote: "Being yourself in how I just decided to do what came naturally, what made me happy, and how it can lead to things because it is genuine and real." And so I think like your dancing like really has you know led to that. I think because I think you're right. I don't know if you said it here or you said it on another podcast or interview I was listening to, but a lot of times when you make something for yourself, like my husband and kids aren't like, they don't care. Right. But like I might be dancing around going like, look what I made, look what I made, you know, and they're just like, whatever, you know, like we all do that when we're like so excited. Right. And, And like when I said that, um, that's what happened for me. I remember in the fall when I started the handmade hustle, I said to my best friend, Jill, who is also on Instagram, sewing on Instagram, but she and I were talking and I'm like, you know, this might be too much for people. This might be too weird for the community that I'm doing it in. (laughs) I really, she was like, well, then those aren't your people. She's like, just be yourself and your people you'll find, you know, you'll draw the crowd. That's the the people, the Katie Corbin's people. And, Mm. um, I, I was, I was a hesitant. Sometimes I'm like, Oh no, that one was a little too weird. Nobody, you know, responded or they didn't like it. You know, I would second guess myself or I'd post something real crazy. Like my hair had tons of crazy stuff in it and I'm wearing, I look like a clown and I'm just like really excited that day about, and I put it all on, I take a photo and I post it. And then I lose like 25 followers and I would tell my husband, you know, that's back when I could tell how many, I would be like, Oh my gosh, my number dropped. And my husband would be like, I don't know. That was kind of a crazy post. And I'd be like, shut up. No, this, you're supposed to be like, he, he's very supportive, <laughs> but you know, yeah. I, I'm like, this is me being myself. And if I lose those 25 people, those were not 25 people that should be following me because I do not want to be what everyone else is. Cause it, it won't feel natural. And, you know, like I said, in that quote that you put on your Instagram, I, I realized from my own experience that just being who you really are and one also not worrying about what other people think, um, but just doing what's inside of you will create a, something that is genuine and people will embrace that and be excited about it because you will have genuine excitement about what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. if it's contrived, it, you can tell. At least I no, yeah, feel totally. Like your top. skills like organic and fun and yeah, no, I I think everything you're doing is spot on. And like, and I totally your friend Jill, she's a wise woman. She should have her own <laughs> podcast. Like, you know, you can't be everything to everyone. And like, the more you know, the more you show you, the more your true fans will show up. And the ones that aren't for you will, you know, slowly fade away as they should, and find someone who is for them. Yeah, and I. It has worked for me. I mean, it, like like I said, like a year ago, I was just, oh, I think I'll start the handmade hustle. Oh, you know, actually in August, I wasn't doing that yet. But um, everything that I've done, like, oh, I'm going to paint a dress. Oh, I'm going to do this dancing. Oh, I'm going to sew my own clothes from now on. Everything that just came naturally to me and even my posts, like they're not, I don't, spend a ton of time pre-thinking everything out. I tend to just, even the posing with produce. I don't know if you've seen that hashtag that I created. I've seen you pose with a little bit of produce. Okay. Well, (laughs) that one also just came like, I had taken this picture with my daughter. We were holding the asparagus. I was holding a tray of asparagus and she was like, like making a face like that's gross. And I thought it was a funny picture, but I didn't have a real reason to post it on my Instagram other than I was wearing a shirt I'd made. And... Um, my friend Tabitha had posted this gorgeous dress that she had made. It was like a Monday or something. And she blew up the internet. And I was like, oh, all I have to post today is this picture of me holding a tray of asparagus. (laughs) So I made a joke that morning because I was like, oh, what do I post? What compares to that fabulous dress that Tabitha posted? Nothing. You know, I was feeling kind of like comparing myself, which is the thief of joy. And I love her. So I was actually, you know, really excited for her and her pretty dress, but I'm like, how should I shouldn't even post anything? I have nothing post 
that is worthy of what she just posted. And um, anyway, so I made a joke of it and I said, you know, I know that Tabitha thinks that she, you know, did a great job on her dress, but that photo has nothing on this one of me posing with produce. And I just made some like <laughs> joke about how I pose with asparagus and how I won for the day. Sorry, Tabitha, I win. My picture's the best. <laughs> made a big joke of it. And she and I were laughing about it. And anyways, it turned into this whole hashtag that now people are posing with produce all the time. <laughs> and it was just me being silly. I wasn't like, oh, if I start this hashtag, then, you know, people will repost it. And blah, blah, you know, not that you shouldn't think like a business, but also if you sometimes think too much like a business and not just being yourself, it can, it won't necessarily take off because it's not as genuine. I just think when you're just being yourself, it's more likely to have success. Exactly. And people are there for you in your pictures and your dancing and your fabrics and your blah, 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 because you do stuff like pose with produce. I mean, that's what makes you amazing and genuine and and people want to gravitate towards you and sew with your stuff. Yeah. And so now they want to buy stuff on Spoonflower because I'm posing. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And that's why I wanted you here because I want to talk to people that want to pose with produce because, you know, (laughs) pictures with vegetables that make your pee smell funny are what I am all about. So (laughs) bonus to posing with produce. So the last thing I want to talk about is something I talk about with all my guests, which is queso. Tell me, do you, A, let's start with this, because a lot of times lately I've found that I talk to people and they don't know what queso is. So let's start there. Are yeah, you familiar queso with queso? Is. Yes. Okay, good. I mean, every blue moon I catch someone off guard and they're like, what's queso? And I'm like, it's dip. It's cheese dip. <laughs> yeah. So if I were to come visit you, and I know you travel a lot and you were born in one place and college in another, so you can pick anywhere. Where would we go for queso? Hmm. For good Your queso? eyes just got real big. Like Mexican <laughs> queso? Like good queso? Ugh. I mean, if you don't have an option, I have, you can also uh, just, you know, go to the grocery store. Yeah, the queso here, there's a place that we eat here um, that has decent queso, but it's different than other quesos I've had. So I don't know if it's because we're so far from Mexico or what. I'm over here in Virginia. Um, I mean, I think the queso that I'm familiar with, I'm discovering is like a very Tex-Mex thing. It's a very like Texas thing, the like liquid melted Velveeta action. So, <laughs> that I'm from. so let me let me expand on that question. While I was cyber stalking you, I heard that you did like a 20 something hour car trip to meet your girlfriend for Sewing Fest 88 in Texas. <laughs> yes, that was so yeah. Okay. Jill, I, f- I wondered if it was that Jill. So did you, did you have queso while you were here in Texas and where in Texas were you? I was curious. You know, we made almost all our food because we had eight kids between us. Oh my and- gosh. You're like a restaurant's nightmare. <laughs> yeah. And also they're all very young. So it's like not really fun to take them all to a Mexican restaurant. I don't think we actually had any Mexican food here in Texas. The only place we ate out at was Chick-fil-A because it was Chick-fil-A day and we got free food and a barbecue (laughs) restaurant. And that was it. Well, you got to do that. You got to do that in Texas too. Where did you guys go in Texas? We met up in Dallas because it was the halfway point. I think it was like 23 hours for each of us or 22 hours for each of us to drive there. I like it. I'm from the DFW area, so I support that choice. It was actually (laughs) like I didn't know what I was going to what it was going to be like. Um, it wasn't necessarily like driving through the highway. wasn't like, Oh, this place is beautiful. But, um, when we were, where we stayed at an Airbnb, it was really pretty. And they had amazing pool, public pools with like water slides. And we just went there. We just took our kids to the pools every day. It was amazing. Do it. It's hot here, lady. We like, we got to have pools everywhere. Yeah. I've lived in Florida. We do not have cool public pools. And I don't know. Because you have the ocean. Yeah, yeah, we have the ocean. (laughs) I mean, we do too, but, you know, it's real far from Dallas. Yeah, 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 very far. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, I mean, I like queso. 
and I eat queso, but I don't know like the best place to get it. But I do probably even more than queso. I'm so sorry. I love guacamole. Oh, it is good. A whole bowl of guacamole. It is. It is I'm sure it's much healthier. I mean, I know it's much healthier. There is no sure about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think maybe it's healthier. That's probably it too. If I didn't have to, if I, if there were no like health or calories or anything attached to queso, I could probably also drink a bowl of queso with chips. I mean, I could do that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, good to know. You can add avocados to the posing with produce list, or maybe I will. I, I can't remember if I posed with them yet. Hmm. I don't have to look add, back. <laughs> add it to the list, lady. Add it to the list. Well, Katie, thank you so much for stopping by and hanging out and chatting with me today. I have had so much fun quizzing you about all the things surface design and fabric design. Thank you. It's fun. <laughs> I love oh, doing that. This is the only second time I've ever been interviewed, but it's fun. <laughs> you get to talk about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> right. I know you were delightful. So I think this will be the second of many interviews on your horizon. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Y'all, I am not even kidding. I am thinking I will fill my new scrap box with my sewing machine, a stash of vintage fabric, a couple of Bakelite buttons, and make my mama proud. Thank you, Katie, for inspiring me. Now, obviously, I'm not going to only use vintage fabric because all of those options Katie has in her Spoonflower store are just too cute not to try. Ooh, and I can't wait to see that new rainbow collection. You guys know how I love me some color. All right, thank you so much, Katie, for stopping by and chatting. You guys, be sure to pop over to creativecaso.com for the show notes and links to find Katie all the places. In the meantime, you can find her dancing on Instagram at Katie Cortman Art. That's K-A-T-I-E-K-O-R-T-M-A-N-A-R-T. And search for Katie Cortman on Spoonflower. While you are over on the Creative Queso website reading all the riveting articles, be sure to check out the weekly Taco About It Tuesday interview series. If you thought it was fun here on the podcast, but wait, there's more. This week, my friend, gardener, and author Kelly Smith Trimble stops by to talk about her creative business and her new book, Vegetable Gardening Wisdom, Daily Advice and Inspiration for Getting the Most from Your Vegetable Garden. When I have a problem in the garden, this is the woman that I text. So you're going to want to pick up her book and read this interview. Remember to please subscribe to this podcast, share, rate, review. Any and all of the above makes me feel warm and squishy inside, like there's golden delicious queso pulsing through my veins and in my heart. Thanks to Mariah Gossett for producing, Chris Beck for the music, and to you, of course, for listening and being here. Remember, if you want to hang out all week and you kind of start to miss me, that's okay. It's understandable. You can find me over on Instagram at Creative Queso or at Jennifer Perkins. And I will see you guys next Thursday. Thursday.